Welcome to this Travel Daily Podcast, where we talk with individuals that are making a difference in the world of travel and hospitality. Hello, my guest today is Campbell Wilson, the founding member and CEO of Scoot Airlines, based in Singapore. Campbell had just arrived back at his office, and I asked him about his travels. My first trip in 18 months, I went uh, for a few days in the US, Los Angeles. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, and a great place to go. That's great. And originally from wonderful. originally from New Zealand, I gather. Yeah, originally New Zealand, Christchurch. It's quite it's quite a leap, isn't it, from New Zealand into the airline business? Not, not really. I mean, I, I knew I wanted to travel oh, yeah. and I wanted to work for a company that I could travel with. And Singapore Airlines was advertising in, in New Zealand for a position in Auckland and I joined that. Um, and, and one of the things in the a job ad they had was the successful candidate will be able to relocate to anywhere the company flies. Mm. And so I made a real nuisance of myself until that actually happened. So I've had the chance to work in, goodness, Australia, Singapore, Japan, Canada, Hong Kong, and then this chance to start an airline 10 years ago. So um, yeah, it's been a long way, but it, it sort of was just, as a, as they say, step by step, you uh, you conquer a marathon. Chances do come by your way, don't they, as you as you travel and move on. And you're obviously one of the founding partners in Scoot Airlines. Where did the name Scoot come from? <laughs> um, well, I was asked to, to set up this airline, and so I, I was the first the first employee, frankly. There, there were five of us in the initial founding team, ultimately. Mm. Um, and I, I wanted something that was – I knew the business was going to be focused on the leisure travel market, and I wanted something that was you know, short, sharp, had connotations of travel, could be used as a noun or a verb, you know, scoot to Sydney for 200 bucks. Yeah. Um, and, and was a little bit informal and cheeky. And, and then I could build the brand around that. So, yeah, it really came about uh, after a, a long evening on an um, online thesaurus and, and a half a bottle of wine. <laughs> so you can scoot your way from here to there, basically. That's what it was all about, wasn't it? Absolutely. Well, I guess you must be celebrating, what, 10 years now. Is that right? Uh, it's literally 10 years this month since we launched the brand. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's 10 years in June next year since we launched our first flight. Fantastic. Yeah. What's been the goal of Scoot, really? Is it just to service um, anywhere you can from Singapore or sort of mainly Asian countries? Yeah, the strategic rationale of Singapore Airlines in setting up Scoot was we could see the rise of low-cost travel. Uh, we could see that it was starting to extend into medium and occasionally long-haul low-cost travel. Mm. And the Singapore Airlines product and, and cost structure wasn't really well set up to do that. And, and either could, it could you know, destroy its own strength by trying to be all things to all people, or it could set up a purpose-built entity to focus on the low-cost leisure market. Um, initially, Scoop was focused on medium-haul. So we, we were Australia, China, uh, India, uh, but then we, we procured and absorbed Tiger Air, which was a short-haul carrier. Yes. And so now the network is you know, as short as Singapore-Kuala Lumpur and as long as um, Singapore-Berlin. Uh, and so you know, pre-COVID, we were nearly 70 cities, uh, and we're fairly confident of getting back to that within a reasonable time frame as business starts to reopen and travel recovers. But it's interesting also, isn't it, that if you're doing some of the long-haul flights, Singapore Airlines also does the long-haul flights. So in terms of the consumer or traveller, what are the benefits of going with Scoot rather than, say, Singapore to Berlin? Well, well we very rarely fly the same route. Um, so Singapore Airlines in Germany flies to Munich and they fly to Frankfurt, but they don't fly to Berlin because mm. it's typically a, a lower-yielding, more leisure-oriented market. Uh, similarly, Northeast China 
you know, SIA serves the, the big metros. Yeah. Uh, we tend to focus on the, the secondary and tertiary cities. Uh, and so very rarely we operate on the same route. Where we do operate on the same route, for example, Sing Bangkok or Sing Hong Kong or Sing Sydney, we're, we're there to attract and, and give a price point to a customer that might not otherwise even consider Singapore Airlines because it's a premium upper class and therefore relatively more expensive carrier. Yeah. Um, so we, we're competing with the, you know, the, the second tier or, or one-stop operators between those city pairs for people that value money perhaps a little bit more than time. And in terms of, of competition, clearly AirAsia has, has really stood out over the last few years. How does Scoot really differentiate between AirAsia and yourself? Sure. Um, I mean, low-cost carriers, by virtue of the business model, you know, we, we none of us offer live flat beds, champagne, and caviar. Right. Um, so it is a simpler product proposition. Fundamentally, our product is sold on on price. You know, we, we do aim to be very affordable and 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 cost effective for for people that want to travel without necessarily the means to to go in, in luxury style. But that said, we put a lot of effort into making sure the aircraft is you know perfectly adequate for most people's purposes. So for example, the seat pitch on our economy class is you know, one inch smaller than on Singapore Airlines full service economy class. So very generous. Um, we offer a, a premium cabin, which we call um, Scoot Plus, which is like a full service carrier's premium economy. And in that cabin, the, the food and beverage is included, whereas in the economy class, it's um, uh, it, it, it is a, um, But then we've put a big focus early on, on the, the manner in which we interact with people, you know, being very clear, very honest, um, be fun and, and perhaps a little bit quirky. That comes through in the way the cabin crew interact with people. That come, comes through in the way the ground staff interact with people. Uh, we call it Scootitude because it's drawn from our name. And I would say that that's our principal point of difference. Mm. We operate a safe airline as part of the SIA group with all of the SIA group safety and, and engineering and other standards. Um, but we, we pitch it at a lower cost point. Um, and we make sure that people have fun during that process as best we can. Clearly, during COVID, things really slowed down and almost came to a halt. And I'm sure you've had quite a few aircraft parking up somewhere safe. Also, I'm sure quite a lot of staff were either sort of put on hold or let go. How did you get on during the COVID crisis in terms of staff? Well, I mean, the COVID crisis was an existential threat for, for the industry generally, not just our airline. Yeah. Um, and, and so it required a, you know, it was a series of many crises in one, to be honest. Uh, initially, you know, we were flying to Wuhan. So when the, the virus first emerged in Wuhan, it, it was a, you know, it was a safety and operational crisis, keeping our staff and crew safe. Subsequently, when networks were closing down around the world, you know, it was an operational crisis of having aircraft or people stuck overseas, including customers. Then it became a customer service um, crisis, you know, including the need to refund everyone in cash, which we did very quickly. Mm. Um, and, and then it became you know, a cost management crisis, whereby we've got very high fixed costs, no revenues because borders were closed. So that was um, you know, mothballing aircraft, yeah. uh, reducing um, salaries, in some cases reducing headcount, furloughing staff. And so 2020 really was a, you know, it was not a very pleasant year for anyone in the industry. Um, thankfully, 2021 has started to show good signs of life, especially in the last couple of months. Yep. In Singapore, we've seen quite a number of new routes open up uh, for vaccinated travellers, and we're participating in a few of them. And uh, we see markets around the world starting to open. You must have been rehiring, I assume. Um, how has that been going, and have there been enough people available? Hmm. 
we, we took a deliberate step. When we first did our, our cost-cutting exercise and our staff uh, management exercise, we, we made a, a few people redundant, um, mainly in the case of pilots, where we didn't foresee that we would have a need for them for three or four years. But we kept many more than we needed to, to have the operation flying because we knew that when things recovered, it would be more difficult to recruit people. So we essentially kept more people on the payroll for a while than we needed. Gotcha. Uh, and now we're, we're bearing the benefits of that as things recover, we've got the staff and the assets to employ. Similarly, cabin crew, we, we put a number of cabin crew on furlough and, and secondary employment, found them other jobs outside aviation, but they're coming back to the business and are available to operate flights now that the flights are resuming. So no shortages, which is terrific. And well, at this point, I mean, one one doesn't know what the future holds. Um, if, if travel does boom in the way that it seems to have boomed in some other markets that have opened up, particularly in the West, there may be a crunch. Um, and as uh, countries still are a little bit restrictive with respect to um, cross-border flows of, of labour, that might also pose a problem. But for the moment, we're, we're quite comfortable with where we are. I know quite a few aircraft have to be put to one side or parked up during COVID. How did you manage with that? So more than half of the aircraft was was parked up um, at, at the, the height of the crisis, although not all of those aircraft were what we would call put into sort of a hibernation state. We had about 10, 12 aircraft uh, fly down to Alice Springs to be stored in the desert for a while. Uh, most of those have actually already been brought back. Mm. Um, but we were keeping the aircraft in a sort of flying rotation, um, operating two or three flights a month because actually it, it is – it is better for the aircraft to, to be operating reasonably regularly yeah. um, just from hydraulics and, and rubber equipment and other things. Um, it just stays a bit more, more fresh. Sure. The burden on maintaining grounded aircraft is, is surprisingly high. Um, of course, we've been doing that throughout the process in the aircraft before they go into full service, uh, you know, fully checked. Mm. But from a fleet perspective, it was, it was manageable. The problem was just we were paying for aircraft that weren't, op weren't earning any money uh, during the, the crisis, yeah. and we're desperate to get them back in the air and start them earning their keep. Um, in addition, we, we obviously took delivery of a number of new aircraft during the, the pandemic. These were arising from orders that we had made prior to the pandemic. Um, they've allowed us to retire some older, less efficient aircraft. They've also allowed us to bring in aircraft that have um, better economics, more range, more capacity. And so the, the business of the the airline has still continued during COVID. We've continued to invest in the future, not just in fleet, but many other areas, mm. because we, we know that av aviation, aviation will recover. Uh, we know that we will survive. Uh, and so we want to be in a good position to really capitalise on that recovery as it comes. Excellent. And you've just recently uh, announced some new flights as well, haven't you? Singapore to Kuala Lumpur, starting towards the end of the month. And I've also seen one that I'm really interested in is Bangkok to London Gatwick uh, in, uh, next month. How many new routes are you starting off over the next few weeks? Well, some of these are resumptions of previous routes, Kuala Lumpur being one. In fact, we've, yeah. we've been operating Kuala Lumpur for some time. It's just now it's designated as a, as a quarantine-free flight for vaccinated people, which is a, obviously a, a good step forward. Um, we've inaugurated at the moment, three completely new cities to scoot during the pandemic uh, in Philippines and Indonesia, uh, looking at some in Malaysia. And yes, you're right, doing the, the Singapore-Bangkok-London-Gatwick flight uh, starting in December is a, is a nice step forward. We have previously operated a number of flights through Bangkok, uh, to Bangkok through to Tokyo, Bangkok through to Osaka, and we intend to resume them as well once borders reopen. 
but yes, the UK and Thailand giving each other quarantine-free travel access yeah. um, presented a good opportunity for us to participate in that market. And I think as the only low-cost airline on that market, I think we we are positioned to to help drive the recovery of the tourism markets in both countries. Is Scoot able to to help with things like fuel economy and helping the airline industry get a little bit greener and cleaner in the environment? Um, in, in terms of sustainability, yes, it's, it's obviously very important for the industry uh, and including Scoot and the Singapore Airlines Group to be increasingly more sustainable. We've signed up to the IATA 2050 net zero carbon emissions pledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we are participating in Corsia, which is the program by which airlines offset their uh, carbon emissions. We offer passengers the opportunity to offset their own emissions when they book their ticket through our portal. Um, the investment in aircraft I spoke about before is a, a key element. That's the single biggest thing we can do in reducing emissions because the newer technology aircraft emit far less uh, than the, the generations they replace. And, and right. Scoot's aircraft fleet is very, very young for an international a- a airline. It's less than six years. Most uh, most airlines are in the 12 to 15 year uh, average age range. Mm. Uh, but it comes down to everything, including you know, we, we have packaging on board that is made of, made of sustainable material. Uh, and, and aside from being made from sustainable material, is also more biodegradable. So it's from the, the very biggest capital expenditure of the aircraft to sometimes the very smallest expenditure of, of, of what packaging you, you put your onboard food in um, all contribute towards the, the ultimate goal of uh, aviation sustainability. With respect to the question on what happens over the next 18 months, yes, I think we, we've all learned not to place too much faith in our own individual crystal balls over the last year. Mm. Frankly, you know, we know that demand for travel is very strong. We see that where the artificial restrictions on travel, i.e. borders, uh, are relaxed, we see travel will recover very quickly. There are a number of markets around the world where travel is already back to or above pre-pandemic levels. Uh, and so we know that it's a matter of time before that happens in this region as well. When it happens is totally outside our control because it is largely due to governments and, and the border relaxations. Of course. Um, there's good signs, uh, but we wouldn't want to put a figure on by what degree we will have recovered by what time, because frankly, we, we don't have that level mm. of insight into the different government's thinking. Suffice it to say that we've got the assets, we've got the finances, we've got the people uh, to, to take advantage of almost any recovery profile that comes. So we're just uh, excited okay. to get on with it. Yeah. Just a couple of other very different questions. And that is, what about yourself? Are you, are you a bit of a pilot yourself? Do you fly? No, I don't. No. <laughs> I've never, never been a pilot. I was never one of those aviation nerds at school. I just passionate about traveling and, and enjoy running a business. And, and yeah, this has been wonderful. Great stuff. Okay. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with me? No, I think you covered it. It's, uh, it's excellent to have the opportunity. Thank you very much for uh, reaching out. Um, I can't wait to get to Thailand. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure many other Singapore residents feel likewise. And of course, uh, we, we're ready to welcome you when you want to come to Singapore. <laughs> okay. Or indeed, travel through Singapore beyond to somewhere else. Excellent, Campbell. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Richard. Listen again for another Travel Daily Podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, email podcast at traveldailymedia.com.